Hi, everyone, and thanks for coming back. This week, in honor of Father's Day on Sunday, we are talking about one of my favorite movies to watch with my dad growing up, Howard Hawks' 1966 Western, El Dorado. As always, you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode, but we will always recommend it as we will not be straying away from spoilers. With Cherie's dad being a breast cancer survivor and my dad being a pancreatic cancer survivor and currently battling a new disease called Vexus, our time with our dads is very important to us. So we're dedicating today's episode to them. I'm your host, Audrey. And I'm your co-host, Cherie. And dad, this one's for you. Thanks for always being around to watch movies with and being the heartbeat for my cinematic pulse. So I do have a disclaimer for this movie. Um, There are definitely a lot of elements in it that do not age well. Um, This movie was made 60 years ago. 1966. So um, it's important to talk about and not shy away from movies and scenes in movies that make us uncomfortable or do not sit well once they have aged. It is more important than erasure. If we remove them from our dialogue, future generations will be lacking in a frame of reference for what we found so inappropriate in hindsight. Visibility and acknowledgement remind us to do better and not go backwards. Yes, hear, hear. Hear, hear. Clink. So, that being said, let's talk about this movie. (laughs) I have so many things to say. I know you do. So, first of all, um, I'll I'll just say, like, first impressions-wise, like, I... And the reason I wanted to do this movie, I kind of said it in the intro, is that I grew up watching Westerns with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, back before we knew anything about the actors, back before we had a lot of hindsight about a lot of things, um, Westerns were what I grew up on. I loved John Wayne movies growing up, and my dad had an entire, back when you had like VHS towers my dad had an entire wooden tower devoted to all of his john wayne western man you just unlocked memories i forgot i had movie towers (laughs) yeah cd towers specifically vhs and like cd towers yeah so and this this movie um was one of the the few that like i could watch all the way through that didn't freak me out there really wasn't a lot of like inappropriate swearing or my dad had to cover my ears or my mom had to go now kids don't say that um so and and there's really minimal this movie like, was rated PG. thematic yeah it's pg there's very minimal thematic elements in this and so as a kid this didn't freak me out so this was something that you know being four i could sit in rapture and watch with my dad as pretty music and ponies ran by and the good guy <laughs> won the gunfight in the end <laughs> sorry i wasn't expecting like, ponies continue like, well, I mean, like, what more do you want when you're four? <laughs> so everyone be nice about this movie. I know that there are parts of it that do not age well. We talked about that. The rest of it is, uh, I it just, watching it as an adult, I'm like, you know what? There was a lot of writing in this movie that I could not appreciate as a kid. And it's more complex than I gave it credit for writing-wise. So I, I still enjoy watching this movie with my dad, especially... Now he's really gotten into watching his Western stuff a lot more. Um, since he's gotten sick, he really like leaned back into all the the Western TV shows. Like he watched The Rifleman 
all the stuff that he grew up on as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, Cause it's like, it's like us when we have like a crappy day and you're like, I just want to watch a Disney movie because it's comforting. Right. That's what my dad has been doing since getting sick. He's like, I just want to watch Westerns and be happy. Leave well, me alone. And I'm like, that's, that's no different right. than me wanting to listen to like Christmas music when I'm having a bad day. Cause it's always going to cheer me up. <laughs> Christmas music in August. And you're like, it's only it's happened. 79 days till Christmas. <laughs> when COVID, like when COVID was like, starting to become a big thing in 2020 the only thing that could cheer me up for like months was getting off work and just listening to christmas music in the dark in my room <laughs> and my niece was my I'm niece sorry. my sweetheart niece would come and snuggle with me and listen to christmas music too oh my goodness i'm just imagining just like poor sad sheree curled up like l- with masks littered around her going <laughs> Bells, jingle bells. 2020 was not my year. That was the year I realized that one, I have control problems. Two, I have anxiety that I didn't realize I had. And three, I need oh. help. I need... Don't we all insert ad for better help? Because it's the first time in my life I really truly reached out to people. I was like, listen, I need to just, I just need to have moments. But- I mean, you, you and Kristen saved me that year. Like, literally getting off work and going to the gym and then coming back and playing Minecraft mm-hmm. with you for hours and hours and hours on end. And then during the work day, just setting my phone up and FaceTiming with Kristen for, like, four hours at a time. Shout out to K-Money. K-Money. Like, y'all saved my sanity. 2020 was no one's year. No, it was not. This year, though, much better. This is my year, in fact. This year is much better amazing. for you. You've had a great year. Back to the Banner movie, though. Banner year for Cherie. Back to the movie. <laughs> um, what were your... Okay, so, I mean, go, go ahead. What were your first impressions you upon got... watching this movie? <laughs> so, obviously... We start with first impressions, know. and I am I am prepared. <laughs> so, the audience obviously has no idea that I sent you how many gifts while watching this <laughs> movie of my you reaction. You were, like, just, like, live-tweeting gifts to me. I literally was live-tweeting. Like, live during tweeting. the first 45 minutes of this movie. I was like, what am I seeing? What is this? <laughs> I don't even know how I to didn't properly... prep you at all. No. And I've seen a grand... This would be my third Western I've ever watched in my life. So... Wow. Oh, wait. Wait. Does Django and Chain count as a Western? Yeah, technically, yes. Fourth yeah. I've ever watched in my life. So I don't even know how to describe my first impression other than I have no idea what I watched and I don't know what the plot was. (laughs) Okay. So I literally have, like, if you're looking at my notes, scroll down a little. I, uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to be prefaced. So. No, no, there's a, there's a chunk that literally under my bullet point for writing, I just have to summarize and then a honking paragraph the size of my head. (laughs) Hold on, let me find it. This movie was not straightforward at all, and I love it. This was the most convoluted story. I've, I, I can't even tell you what this movie was about, although... I know! There were moments where I'm like... I think that's what drew me out of it at times. Where I was like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing at this point. There's a gunfight. I will say, though, I don't know how to say this without... Without offending my childhood? No, 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 no. Some of, these, uh, some of these some of these moments were real gangster. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I, we're going to get to, okay, are we, like, we can't, when, once we get more into the story of this, I will tell you the moments where I was like, okay, that was dope. Most of this film was well, John Wayne being John Wayne. And I. Facts. 100%. There were several, <laughs> there were several moments in this film where I'm like, Ooh, this is uncomfortable and gross. Yeah. Um, yes, facts. 
hard facts. I will say, as far as um, first impressions go, this was a movie. I watched it, and there are parts where I thought, that's pretty cool. So there are moments, there's definitely moments of it I could appreciate as far as, like, seeing film history in motion, like, where it used to be versus mm. where it is now, especially with lighting. Woo. Sure, just from, like, an academic standpoint, oh, for yeah. sure. It's, it's definitely a good movie to watch academically and learn from and see... Cause it's like I definitely wanted to like pick your brain about that later for sure. If there it, were like, definitely production questions. There were definitely some production things. I was like, man, we've come so far. I said that at least eight times mm. watching this movie for many different reasons. But um, yes. if I was gonna give this um, this you know this movie one to ten stars, I'd have to give it a solid. F- I don't want to say five. Five sounds too low, but it was average. Okay. Oh. It was you. fine. It was fine. It's, um, there's it some pretty cool moments. It actually has an 85% medic- medis- uh, Dude, it has like sport. 100% on Rotten Tomato. Yeah. Yeah. This movie blew the box office wide open. Like, literally, it got, it got panned. Um, according to IMDb, it was panned by critics as an old man's film. It when it came out is. in 1966. Dude, no, like, on. it no, is. No, it was Pandas That in 1966, It's Pandas like, That now, too. Like, it's definitely, sure. like, this is, this movie is made for a very specific audience. You can't just plop anyone down in front of this movie and they're going to enjoy it, which I can understand about any film. I mean, across the Spider-Verse, into the Spider-Verse, are two of the, like, biggest films being talked about right now. And not everyone's going to like it. And that is sure. because every movie has a, there. There's a targeted audience for everything. every movie has an audience. You cannot. Not everyone will like every movie. There's even people. Yeah, there's people who don't like Across the Spider Verse. They're crazy, but there's people who don't like it. <laughs> but this movie certainly wasn't. Let's be honest. Definitely wasn't meant for people like you and me. It was not meant for a female gaze or no. a female audience. That being said, it's not that we couldn't enjoy it. I really did enjoy Joey. She was a baddie in this film. I liked Here's Joey. Here's the thing. She was my favorite 1966. Character. They had a character like joey in this movie i'm like two hands to the sky for feminism okay because she's spoiler alert literally the hero of the movie by the way yes yep and that was the only thing about this film where i was like yes let's go joey i wanted to be joey as a kid and probably part of the reason why i liked watching this movie so much because i loved joey mm-hmm. she's I mean, my favorite like, part of her film. hair is awesome her makeup's <laughs> awesome her false eyelashes are dope like i added falsies to my ulta list <laughs> after watching this movie i was like "Ooh, her little spiky false lashes are awesome yeah joey is awesome and then literally saves john wayne's life at the end of the movie so yeah two thumbs way way up for a leading lady did you just quote Hercules? I absolutely did. I love you so much. <laughs> the pause of, did I just hear what I think I just heard? <laughs> I was like, hold on a minute. I know that phrase. Yes. So um, I, w- I want to get into the writing a little bit because Confusing. me now. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. And this is why I'm like really appreciating it as an adult is I'm I'm watching a movie. I'm going holy crap, they held no punches with this plot. Uh, There are a lot of convoluted plot points. There are a lot of characters. And if you're not paying attention every second of the movie, you miss a lot. This movie needed editing. Like, well, here's the thing. I guess it it was based on a book, roughly. Um, It was roughly based on The Stars and Their Courses by Harry Brown. Um, 
but apparently the author actually asked for the credit to his book to be removed from the movie because it wound <laughs> up almost nothing like his novel. That sounds an awful like, um, oh man, who writes all the horror sti- horror books? Uh, who writes all the horror books? Horror I can see books. his face. Can't think of his, uh, yeah. What do you mean, Stephen King? Yes, yeah, Stephen King. <laughs> There's so many films where he's like, mm, I don't like the, he doesn't like his books being turned into movies too often. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, having read several Stephen King novels, I can understand why. A lot gets lost. They really focus he on, has, like, the horror aspect and not though. the writing aspect. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Uh, Shawshank Redemption is... Did you know he wrote Shawshank Redemption, Stephen King? I did not. Let me double check that. I I'm did pretty not sure know he that. did. It was I one of my tied for favorite films. Now. It's not a full book. I it's a, I think it's a short story. Is it a short story? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I have also not watched Shawshank Redemption in a very long time. Oh, I thought you were going to say ever, it. and I was going to be offended. Oh, no. No, no. I am I am slightly uneducated on some classic filmetry. I, ha- I, blame, I blame my mother a lot for this, because I grew up in a very sheltered household initially, so there were a lot of very famous, very well-known classic films that I never saw because they were not, quote-unquote, appropriate for me to watch at the time. But then when I became of age, I just, like, I, didn't even, I either, like, didn't know about them or had no desire to, like, go back and rebuild my film repertoire. So I just, like, never watched them. Ironic now that we have a film podcast. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, like, slowly getting back into all of them and seeing all the things that I should have seen back in the day. So, okay. So I literally had, like I said, I have this paragraph, like, the size of my head. Um, And I feel like our listeners will probably appreciate, like, a quick summation of this movie as well, if they felt at all like you did. Because, like I said, I rewatched this movie as an adult, and I was like, whoa, I did not get I will honestly be impressed if any of our audience goes and watches this movie. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sad. I want them to. Free merch if you do. There's free merch if you do. If you go watch this movie, y'all get stickers. Like, for real. I'm in the midst of designing them. If you want, you can even pick your favorite episode art and I'll turn it into a sticker. Ooh, I love that. I actually have, like, a giveaway planned here soon for um, people to bring in followers to our podcast um, that I actually am just now telling you about, so you don't know about this. I was thinking about it the other day, and <laughs> now feels like a good time to mention it. I'm I love that to idea. announce it on our Instagram. Yes, so to get people, get some visibility on our podcast, we'll be doing a giveaway here shortly where you can win some free merch. Let's go. So, bolo for that. Be on the lookout, is what that was. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey! It's an official police term, and I was watching Psych yesterday, so it's on the brain. It's fine. I just love how you explained it after you said it. (laughs) I was like, I just said that. Do I leave it out there in the ether, or do I explain it? You're fine. You're good. And I I chose to to pull it back out of the ether. Tell us about this movie that has cops and cowboys and sheriffs. Yes, it does. It it doesn't have any cops in it. (laughs) It's got a sheriff. It does have a sheriff and, and a few deputies. Um, what every good Western needs. So, John Wayne plays a hired gun named Cole Thornton. Um, and he was hired by a man named Bart Jason, though he didn't really know what for. Thankfully, before he goes to find out about what this job is, he gets head off by the town's sheriff, um, J.P. Hara, 
who turns out is a, an old buddy from the war that he used to fight with. Um, and he lets him know that this guy, Bart Jason, that has hired him is essentially illegally trying to get up all of the, the water and land rights for the surrounding area and basically trying to monopolize the area and own most of this El Dorado area. So and that's what, okay, continue. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what this movie so, was about. That's what this movie was about. And, and that happens in like the first five minutes of the movie. So if you're not paying attention, you miss that. That's that's when JP shows up to the washroom with a rifle and points it at John Wayne. And that's what that whole conversation is. And then Maudie comes in and derails the whole thing. And uh, so um, Cole Thornton goes to Bart Jason, lets him know, I don't want to be your hired gun. I'm not going up against JP Hera. He's A, a friend, and B, just as good as me. He's so you homie. can have what's left of your money back. So he leaves Bart Jason's house after turning down the job. And on the way back... Unfortunately, he thinks that he gets ambushed by this kid and he believes that he gets shot at. So he fires back in return and unfortunately kills this kid. This kid, um, he talks to him before he dies and finds out who he is. He belongs to the McDonald family, the local big cattle ranchers in the area or their horse ranchers and cattle ranchers. Um, And so he goes to return him to his family the McDonald's are the last big family holding out on their land and water rights against Bart Jason. They are essentially the family that Cole Thornton would have been hired to help run off or take out. Oh. Yes. So, um, because of this, essentially, uh, well, okay. So in leaving the McDonald family's land, uh, they're one of their older daughters, Joey, short for Josephine McDonald, um, upset that her brother has been murdered, um, goes after Cole Thornton and shoots him, though she doesn't kill him. Um, she does, however, the do- the local doctor's not able to get the bullet out of his back and it's kind of lodged up against his spine. He heals okay, but does eventually basically just have an injury that flares up from time to time after that. Um, so he he heals up, and because of this whole incident, uh, he leaves town and tries to get uh, a job elsewhere. He goes down closer to the border um, and is looking for a job with someone else. Um, when he goes out of town, he winds up meeting the guy who is his replacement for Bart Jason, the guy who he, the new hired gun, who is supposed to help take out the McDonald family. Um, and, and the sheriff, J.P. Hera. So in this kerfuffle is where we meet the character of Mississippi. And this is how Cole Thornton meets, uh, this guy, Nels McLeod. That's, that's the new hired gun that took Cole's place. Um, we meet Mississippi through an interesting turn of events and he and, uh, Cole kind of team up together and Cole finds out through McLeod that, J.P. Hera, uh, the sheriff of El Dorado, is no longer the quick draw that he once was. Uh, apparently something happened and now he's a slobbering drunk. So um, in this course of events, Cole had saved Mississippi's life. And so now he's kind of teamed up with him. So they 
head back to El Dorado to check on his friend. Um, hopefully try to get there ahead of McLeod and his men because they're still down by the border. Um, they manage to, and Cole works with Mississippi and their old friend Bull to try to sober up um, JP in time to try to head off Bart Jason and his gang of hired guns. Um, chaos ensues and people get shot. Bart Jason gets arrested and in the thick of it all, unfortunately, Cole, his old injury from when Joey shot him, flares up in the middle of a gunfight and he passes out with his whole left side, like, paralyzed. Um, so McLeod's men wind up trading Cole for Bart Jason. And now Cole is crippled. JP had gotten shot in the middle of it. His friend Mississippi can't really use a gun. He has a, a sawed-off shotgun that he can't aim worth a darn. And then Bull, who's also an old man who uses a bow and arrow and, like, a trumpet, basically, <laughs> um, is their harrowing team of people who decide to go up against Bart Jason and all of his men. And basically, in a last-ditch effort, they manage to take out... Uh, McLeod, who was the best gun among them, and some of the key guys. And then Joey McDonald saves Cole's life right at the end, and she kills Bart Jason. Um, and then pretty much everyone lives happily ever after. The McDonald's get to keep their land. J.P. Harris sobers up. Um, and the end of the movie. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> And that's a lot. I'm glad you said it because I was like, about to. That is so much to cram into a... How long was... The, what was the runtime Two on this hours. Movie? It is a long movie. That movie like felt kind of, like it was three hours. I actually... I started watching it last night and I got, I got tired. I mean, I love this movie, but I was watching it in the dark. All the lights were out. My eyes got tired. And I was like, I'll watch the rest in the morning. So I saved like the last 20 minutes or so for today um, to rewatch. And... But that is a lot of plot if a to movie cram into a movie. like that was made today, 50% of that plot line would have been edited out. They would have been like, mm -hmm. not gonna, we're not having That's that. like what happens when you turn a book into a movie, except like if you didn't cut any scenes from the book. Yeah. Imagine, like, that'd be like if that... you did most of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> they would be so mm -hmm. long. This would be much better done as a, as like a, a mini series, like a TV uh, miniseries. That's exactly what I was going to say. If this was a mini series, it would, it would play out way better because there's too many plot points. This is one of those movies where, or this is one of those movies where it's like, okay, here is the main arching plot. And then we have all these subplots to get us through to each episode. Like you have mm -hmm. the cliffhanger that makes you come back to the next episode and it resolves and you get the new cliffhanger at the yes. next episode. This, this movie mm -hmm. should have been a, a little mini series, if you will. Yes. It, um, yeah, you could have expanded it, gotten some backstory on Mississippi. Like, yeah, there's, there was a lot. And I, here's the thing. As a writer, I was impressed. I was like, wow, they cut no corners with this plot. Because I, as a writer, when especially when I watch like book to movie transitions, I get so frustrated because they cut out so much. And I feel like you're missing so much important backstory and so much important plot and I get frustrated and this is a movie that definitely didn't do that so like this is like like writer candy 
as far as movie <laughs> plots go. But it's it's a lot. And like I said, if you're not paying attention every second of the way, you're lost. I, uh, I will say, though, to give it some... I don't want to, like, completely dump on this film because it's not what I'm here to do. I will give it credit because this is Appreciate what movies you. were for decades, you know? This was... Every yeah. movie had an overarching plot. They it was it was very convoluted. Like I'm trying to remember what film I was watching when I returned back to school for my media degree. What film did we watch with Hepburn that was just like outrageous? But it had a lot of symbolism in it. But Audrey or Catherine Hepburn? Ooh, which one came first? Was Catherine was the first one, right? I believe Catherine is the oldest Catherine. His, his sister. Yes. Um, it was black and white. Films. She's also in a western. That doesn't shock me. But um, it was a Hepburn film. With John Wayne. Of course she was. Because John Wayne's in every... <laughs> These movies everything, were everything made for John Wayne. This movie was written if for John Wayne. If there was a revolver Wayne. in it, John Wayne was in it. That's what I'm saying. It's like... It's it's a movie of its time. So I'm not, I'm not trying to dump on it from a, the standpoint of movies today. Because that wouldn't be fair. No. Exactly. Is, I have to think, like, in 1966... This was the, like the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it literally made. I think it cost about four million to make, and it made like just over twelve at the box office. Yeah, that's a lot of money. A for the time, but then B to have have netted in the box office. Yeah. It, it like tripled its uh, production cost, and mm-hmm. that's crazy. Well, and you got to think too that. This is a film, again, from the 60s, 1966 specifically. Mm-hmm. And there are things, like, you can even say there's tropes from this film that we use today or we expand upon today. Sure. Um, there are definitely, you can also see where a lot of things have changed, like female agency. That, which is odd about this film because we have one female who's inc- has a lot of agency and we have one that's just like, mm-hmm. mm, I have... It's whatever. We'll get yeah. to that. But um, it's not great. It's not horrible, but it's not great. Maddie is just she's just there to have a love interest. She's literally she has no plot point. She's there to be yeah. eye candy. That is exactly what she's there for. Joey is a baddie. She's Maud is not. Joey is a baddie. Maudie Maudie is there. She is a resource um, because she is the first person that Cole goes back to to find out. She like, certainly what's going is a connector in, in the town. film. She is a thread that which people yes. can pull on, and she there and connects people. So like, for let me right. let's expand upon Maudie real quick. So the character is the actress was thirty eight when this film came out. Now, she Mm -hmm. is interested kind of in Cole, who is Wayne, John Wayne. John Wayne was 21 years older than her when this film was made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. JP, the sheriff, was 11. Or was he... Mm -hmm. Either way, about 10 or 11 years older than her. I don't know how old they are. I looked it up because it made me feel the ick. John Wayne was in like his 50s when he made this movie. I looked it up because I was like, this is just gross. But here's the thing. Up and even till the 90s, in the 2000s, in the 2010s, even still today, we are casting these characters so close. Like, now we're actually having the issue of casting women to be too young of mothers. And they're still, like, we are yeah, still casting a, a women. Movie coming out. Is it the Tom mm-hmm. Holland one? With, um... Yeah, the Tom Holland one, where he's playing with Emmy Rossum, mm-hmm. and she's, like, 10 years older than him, and she's supposed to be playing his mother. Doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. And again, I have to, you have to consider the time, and, you know, back then, it might have been, you know, chill for a 
38 year old to be dating an almost 60 year old man or well and he they're definitely like interested in each other but they do make a point of saying like he literally says at the beginning because she's laughing because she kind of like has a has kind of dated both him and jp and that's why she's cracking up because unfortunately both her boyfriends are in the same room but he john john wayne's character is like annoyed because He's like, I've known her since she was a, a kid. kid. Like, so he acknowledges That's exactly that, like, where I was like, Ugh. yeah. So I guess I wasn't, I wasn't as grossed out by it because he said that he he plays the character that like does the right thing, and when she and when he says kid, he means like when she like since she's been like twenty because she said that she got to town and like stepped off a stagecoach after her husband had died exactly. or something. She didn't have anything to her name, so she wasn't like a child. Like she wasn't like ten, but um, and he she said that he bought her dinner and set her up with like a place, like got her a job and like helped her get back on her feet. So he's the kind of character that, like, did the right thing. And it sounds like they didn't get interested in each other until, like, later on in their relationship. I don't really even have an issue that's... with, like, her age difference between JP the sheriff. Because it's it's a little more understanding of, like, a levier difference that happens even in modern times now. Mm-hmm. But it was the fact that she's not even 40 and he's 59. I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to be ageist and things like that, but it was a little weird. <laughs> let, let women be interested in who they want, man. <laughs> I know. And you, everyone's allowed to be interested in who they want, but it was just a little weird to me, specifically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to each their own. It just, I don't know her circumstances. I, I can't, I mean, you can find love anywhere, I guess. I'm trying to you explain my feelings without being discriminatory. You know what? What here's the thing. What is uncomfy for one person can be less uncomfy for another person. Right. That just means that you wouldn't choose that for yourself or maybe the child that you raise. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so that's okay. So yeah, but back to like her character's plot point. Um, she really didn't I mean like she was present a lot in the movie, but she didn't do a whole lot. She um, she was there obviously as kind of like a, a a casual. I call them lighthouse loves, like the the beautiful woman that waits in the wings for their adventurer man to, to return come home. home. And be Absolutely, in them again. Absolutely. I hate that trope. I want to die. <laughs> as, <laughs> as a military spouse, I have been thrust into the role of that trope, where my poor husband goes off, and then I sit here moping until he comes back because I'm madly in love with him. So I hate when I see that trope in movies because it sucks in real life. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's kind of what her character is. And then she waits there for Cole to come back. And when she come, when he he comes back, he goes straight to her and is like, here's the sitch. Have these men rolled into town yet? And we need help like laying low. And she's like, okay, well, and then tells him also provides information um, she re- she relays important plot points like she gives all the information about what happened to JP and how he wound up being a drunk because he got played by somebody. Mm-hmm. And then she also relayed information about our main character, Cole, at the beginning. And I got here's the thing I got to say, she delivers this little monologue about Cole's character and the kind of person that he is at the beginning. And it's 
it's a cheesy monologue and she delivers it really well. Oh yeah. For the day and for what the delivery requirements were back then and what the expectation was. Honestly. Man, that could have been so cheesy and she did a really good job with it. Like kudos to her as an actress. I will say I'm glad there wasn't like a cheese fest of this romance because you know me. I don't like. It was not cheesy at all. It wasn't. It was. It was. She was. She was definitely not written as a cheesy love interest. Like, oh, she faints when no. they go off to leave. No, 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 no. I really like that she actually had. She had her own business, or she had her own thing to do. You know, she worked. She mm-hmm. she, did what she, she had, had her own do. job. She did what had she her had own to place. Do. And you know what? She wasn't like. She wasn't mopey when they left. Like, was she sad? Probably, but honestly, nah, she. She... I think she got mad at him instead. She was like, you didn't even tell me, and now I'm mad at you. Mm-hmm. Have a good time. <laughs> but, like, I, I will appreciate the, the cheesy love romance. I was so glad that wasn't part of this film. Yeah, no, this was more... Although, it's interesting, on Amazon, this is categorized as, like, is like action, western, romance. Like, those were the top three. And I'm like, really? Because you have to swindle in a romance such, story okay. into almost every film. I mean, I'm a sucker for it, so I can't complain. I'm a big softy. Give me all the romance in my action movies. Ugh. Even even my even my own novel has a dumb romance subplot. I can't escape it because I love it. I'm not saying And I know uh, there are people out there like me. <laughs> I don't know. For me, I, it's not that you can't have romance in films and books and stuff like that. That's fine because that's part of life. For me, I just don't like when it's shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. I no, like I know what you mean, because sometimes you have, like, a plot line where you're like, it would have been fine without any romance. It didn't It didn't need any romance that didn't move like the, the plot Like the Batman. So, you shut your drunk mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you stay away from my babies. <laughs> <sighs> I digress. <laughs> but I digress. So, no, overall, it, it wasn't horrible. It was just a little uncomfy, and she didn't do a whole lot. Really, our our main, our leading lady was Josephine. Mm-hmm. She was dope. She was, she was the bomb.com. I'm going to bring that phrase back casually. Like, when she was like, nah, you killed my brother, I'm coming after you. And she got up yes. on that hill. That was, the fir- that was one of my reactions of, that was the Dave Chappelle reaction that I sent you. I knew it. I knew you sent me that. And I was like, I know what scene she just watched. Oh, you called it out too. But I was like, yeah, that one was, um, that was a cool part. I like, I loved her agency in this film. And, um, mm-hmm. I also really like Mississippi. Honestly, he was my favorite character because I thought he was more, he like Rounded. John Wayne just felt like he was Superman and untouchable. And I'm like, that's boring. Like he's John Wayne. He's, John Wayne is John I Wayne. Know. That's, that's the character he plays. Interesting. I know. He actually auditioned initially for the, the part of J.P. Hera. He wanted to be the, the drunken sheriff. I think that would have been and, far more interesting for him to play someone like that instead of the hero, like he almost always was. Right. So, so kudos to him for trying I mean, to play someone different. He wanted to. He was very intrigued by it. He wanted to play somebody different. But the director was just like, nah, man, people come to see you in this role. They come to see John Wayne movies. I mean, like, he was the 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 Chris Pratt action hero, the Sylvester Stallone. See, you the, said like, Chris Pratt, and the first person I thought of was RDJ. Sure, like he's people the go RDJ. to people like, go to Robert Downey Jr. movies to see Robert Downey Jr. be Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> what exactly. can I say? I I like RDJ as himself. Yeah, well, and that's that's exactly it. There are certain actors that really just play 
themselves and we like them as themselves and when they play other roles it's weird but that being said though i I will give credit for rdj is he's got a lot of charisma to be able to play other roles and i love that about him that's why we'll watch him in anything but like sure although there is you do see you get little sprinklings of rdj as himself even in those different roles Mm -hmm. like he he plays that reporter in the zodiac movie and somehow he's still himself So, yeah, I mean, he's typecast, but there's there's a reason is that American masses will come out in droves to see that person be in another movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mississippi was, by and large, my favorite character other than Joey, just because of his nuances and not being perfect. Like, the man can't shoot a gun. And I was like, oh, thank God. Someone who doesn't, like, know how to That's shoot hilarious. a gun. For real, though, I... this man pulled out a knife. And I was like, yes! It's awesome! That it's part awesome. was dope. That was so cool to me like you best believe because this is the only thing that my parents would give four-year-old me to play with that wasn't absolutely dangerous was like toothpicks or not toothpicks <laughs> we're talking about popsicle sticks <laughs> so i'm like flinging popsicle sticks across the room and imaginary bad guys like, like yeah. the moment where the dude's like oh he doesn't have a gun and i was like what is this man gonna do pulls out a knife right? and throws it I'm i was like to see yes how he does this he doesn't have a gun i literally suspense started, music playing in the background i started laughing i started laughing so much because i was like yes that was so dope because that was the first time mm-hmm. in this movie where something unexpected happened i was like oh yes it's so good it's so good and i love just like talking about that scene for a second i loved um that they really explain to you like mississippi is a good guy even though he wears a black hat which is like it's like an old western trope like the bad guys wear black hats interesting um yeah which it is not true for this in this case because he's got a goofy hat and they make fun of it the whole time which i love his hat okay <laughs> but um he mcleod is talking with his men and they they make a point of saying without relaying exactly what happened to johnny diamond um, Mississippi's mentor, mm-hmm. uh, without relaying exactly what happened, they say it really shouldn't have taken four of you. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you get. He's the, the, the henchman says like, oh, he was a card sharp. He was cheating. And he's a, no, he was that good. He didn't need to cheat. So you're like, okay, but like what, what happened? Was he cheating? Was he cheating? Wasn't he cheating? Was it just this guy that went after him or, or whatever? But then they say it really shouldn't have taken four of you. And and just with that like line, you get this symbolism and this subtext that explains that this guy was ganged up on. Oh, yeah. These guys didn't whatever this fight was, however they did it, it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. And so whatever is getting ready to happen, it's justified. It is that old West justice where you solve your own problems. Yes. Um. Yeah. And I I loved that scene. It was so good. Which so that actor West. Well, Wes reminded me of the actor's name because I can never remember. James Caan. Yes, I was literally about to bring mm-hmm. that up. For people who don't know who James Caan is, the only frame of reference you might of our generation that might recognize him is he's Please the dad it. in Elf. <laughs> he's the dad in Elf. When I saw that, I was like, <laughs> no. When I saw his name, when I looked he, up the what? actors, I was like, that is not the same dude. I was like, man, yes, young James Caan, pretty attractive. Is. Right? Young James Caan. Uh, Wes said he looks like Oh, Steven Seagal had a baby with Ryan Gosling. Fair enough. I'll give it to him. That's kind of that's kind of how I I see it because I can see the Ryan Gosling for sure. And it's just it's a testament to Hollywood that we just there's there's certain like not 
types of people, but like there are just certain like personas and and like airs that just play well on screen. Mm-hmm. And they they get rebirthed to us as like a blessing in to Hollywood <laughs> over the generations. Oh, so I did. I want to add. I wanted to ask production questions for mm-hmm. you. What were some of the biggest like production things that you noticed? Um, lighting were like majorly lighting. different in lighting. lighting lighting can you can lighting. you explain lighting can you explain like what they were doing back then for, oh, for all of our listeners we don't have the lights you have now uh, well now now you have so many different types of lighting like I, i'm not even going to go into how we light film because it's so extravagant now then it's not as extravagant so you have a lot of like the same lighting over and over and over again and for me the issue was oh for sure like every scene is lit the same Mm -hmm. every every single scene has the same light it's lit exactly the same they don't like we don't have like these um oh what are the words i want to give you the technical term but like we have all kinds of things that help like take away hard lights like the lady use a lot of hard lights in this film and so that leaves Mm -hmm. harsh shadows everywhere and yes there's not a lot of because a lot of these are done in st- on studio sets, so all the lightings are rigged yes. above you, and there's not a lot you can do I guess about they that. Did once get they're a lot of crap. You. They did get a lot of crap for that because I mean they filmed on location down in like Arizona, mm-hmm. so you have all this beautiful scenery, but then most of the movie is done like on sound stages, mm-hmm. and because it's all like indoors or in this set. Right, there are some cool little outside shots, and it's that's a whole different let me let me say on lighting but like obviously there the the thing is is like the one part that really got me was i think cole has gone into the the drunk tank basically to get jp mm-hmm. and um he goes to light a a gas candle or whatever i don't know what those are but he goes to light this like gas candle the gas lamp yes and as soon as uh-huh. he like p- returns the glass on top of that flame the light in the whole room comes up and i'm like that's not how light works that's not how it works <laughs> but you're oh limited you're limited to your yes. technology so yeah that moment i was like oh man they i think it would have been better had they just left the lighting as it was they could have just left the room dark and just lit the that's room with the candle funny. like walk around with the dang thing but no, they turned up the lighting of the whole room. And I was like, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. That's funny. You're right. Like, the jail really is lit as if it has, like, fluorescent lights strung to the ceiling. It's, that's not what, that's not how that was supposed to look. So I didn't, that part really. And it, right. That was the part that really took me out the most. But, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in one of these shots, I want to say it was around the 26-minute mark. I'm pretty sure you can see one of these harsh lights in the background of uh the like town like what i am i want to i want to guarantee it do you see this like oh, four panel light i feel like at the 26 minute mark when that you have a shot of what outside of like the bar or the saloon i don't even know but it's like way in the back the very like back of the scene in the foreground or the background excuse me and i was like no way they kept that in the film but it's there, like oh, bright, bright lighting I'm and everything. Gonna go scrub through and see. You said it's about like the twenty-six ish minute mark. I think that's when it was. I think it was twenty-six or twenty-seven minute mark. And where am I looking for this? It's in the very back. Like it's way in the background. It's the it's literally far back left. In like the town? Like yes. the exterior of the town. The exterior of the town. Or it's like within okay. the little city, but it's in the back. 
Okay, I'm going to keep a lookout for it, though, the next time I watch through it. Because I love finding things like that. I love finding things like like continuity problems, um, bloopers, props and stuff not getting out of the way. Like that coffee cup in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Starbucks? Yep. Yep. Ye old Starbucks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the lighting. The lighting in this film. Especially that little block light in the back of that scene. And then the the gas candle or whatever that those two things really I was like Oof. that's where the lighting bothered me the most and also really bothered me at the beginning when they were in the washroom and you have all those harsh shadows on everyone you would not mm-hmm. that does not happen now unless it's obviously on purpose like if you're out in sunlight only in sunlight or some crazy right. like sky beam from you know a Marvel film would you get lighting as harsh as that and even still they try to like they try to make it as soft as possible. But you don't... Right, they try to filter it because it makes your actors look bad, for one thing. It does. You have to cake them with makeup when you do stuff like that. And you could, I mean... Oh my gosh. These actors were caked with makeup. So much makeup. I noticed noticed that because I was paying attention to, like, the women's makeup, to, like, Maudie and Josephine's makeup. Um, And, wow, those poor girls were just caked with foundation and powder. Everyone. And, but just, like, the women especially, like... Don't get me wrong, their skin looked fantastic, but I'm just like, oh, that's got to be so uncomfortable. They have so much makeup on, especially to keep them from shining against that harsh lighting mm-hmm. and and like to keep the like just the sockets of your eyes from looking super, super hollow under all of that harsh lighting that's coming down from on top of you because it's not at flattering angles either. Right. It's not like at face height to like flatten your face out and, and soften your features. It's like... It's like turning the lights on in a warehouse and you all look like ghosties. Yep. Yep. Like that's, and that would bother me about the lighting outside as well. It's just so bright. It's, <sighs> there's one part where she's looking up, like it's towards the end of the film and Maudie's looking up at um, Cole and she's saying something. I don't even know. I, at this point I was like, I don't even know what's happening in this film anymore. I'm just watching it to finish it. <laughs> but you have this bright, light on her and i'm like that's not how outside light looks but okay we're going with it mm-hmm. but yeah the lighting was she she wasn't crying over anything was she because no. i know that, that was a lighting trick they used this... to use to help their actors cry no this at this point she had just jumped out of the carriage and she was looking up at him giving her like you know her two cents about everything she's like this is crazy oh she yes here? like am i gonna tell you this is crazy no i'm not gonna tell you that i'm gonna get you a pine box about six foot six ought to do <laughs> was he really that tall and... my goodness He's six foot four, I believe, is how tall John Wayne was. Got it. But yeah, so um, that the yeah the lighting was um. Mm. That was a comment that I wanted to make because actually, um, I was reading up on this um from IMDb and the the director Howard Hawks um as far as the writing goes um wanted he he knew that they were gonna film a lot of this at night mm-hmm. um. And chose to do so, where a lot of westerns get filmed in the day. But if you notice, like, all, like a lot of this is all done during like dark hours. Well, and not only hours. that, but like so much of it is done inside. You have the whole Southwest; it's beautiful, and there's only like twenty or thirty oh, yeah. minutes of this film that's done outside. I felt oh, yeah. like that and was a travesty are, to the story. There are plenty of westerns. Here's the thing: 
Western films inundated with beautiful scenery. Every Western is like filmed on location, like Texas or Utah or Oregon. Like they, most Westerns have all of that beautiful imagery. So this actually played a little bit differently and was a little bit counterintuitive to a lot of Western Western movie cultures at the time. And the this was very much a new. This was very much a this town isn't big enough for the two of us type of movie. (laughs) So. Like this, the director knew that he was casting a couple of guys who were older as far as Westerns go. Usually you were casting younger guys and he knew that John Wayne was getting older too. And and obviously anyway, so he, the director wanted to go with a lot of these nighttime scenes and twilight scenes because he, he wanted to use it like symbolism to acknowledge that all of our main characters are not in the prime of their lives anymore. They're in like the twilight of their lives. And it's these, these older guys who are no longer, you know, like prime gunslingers still trying to solve like the problems of their youth that they would have been solving 20 years prior. And so he used the darkness and filming these scenes in twilight um, as symbolism of that. And I'm like, okay, I could, once I, I know that, that I, I find that interesting. However, watching the movie, I didn't get that. You I'm just don't. Going, you can't just tell us. It has to be something we can. There has to be enough of something happening over and over again for it to be symbolic. It, 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 all it felt like was right. like it was from day to night. That's what it felt like. You need to, as a writer, trying to use that kind of symbolism, you have to really lay it out for your viewers the first time and then let it continue to pop up Mm -hmm. subtly throughout the rest of the movie. So, like, I mean, I have no idea how you would write this, but you need a character to, like, um, comment on the, the darkening twilight or whatever and then have another character say something about like man is getting to be twilight for us too or whatever something you could cheesy i know but mm-hmm. i'm not writing the movie honestly but you need somebody to say something as obvious as that and then let it drift up later in the plot there's a movie I that's want how to you s- play that kind of subtext there's a movie i want us to watch eventually no country for old men that does great symbolism oh. with time love that yeah mm-hmm. and it's like you you the film literally ends with the symbolic... I, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Anyway. Okay. Yep. Don't tell me. It's a great film. I don't think I've seen that movie all the way through. I know I've studied it in my writing classes, but I don't think I've seen it all the way through. It's a great film. But um, yeah, how how are we supposed to watch this film and think, oh, nighttime is symbolic of the twilight of their life? No, you don't. No, you, you don't. Could, you don't. You could you know, infer, you're like, oh, okay, I get that. You could infer that the ending being night is you can infer a lot about nighttime. Nighttime can mean a lot of things. Like, all the spooky mm-hmm. things come out at night. You have the the devil's hour, the witching right. hour. Whatever you want to say. There could, all the bad things happen at night. So it makes sense that the climax of this film happens at night. That you can infer as symbolic. Mm-hmm. But saying that this sure. film is, you know, about, oh, the the stars and they're aging, you know, they're coming in the twilight of their life. No. Nah, no. Give me something. No, nah, I wouldn't Make something that. else here's up, the thing. dude. They didn't even, like, they didn't even do it, like, at at twilight like that i could infer like if you always did it which i mean that would be a pain in the butt for filming and like next to impossible you'd have to like you'd have to do fake background sets and everything but to exclusively film a lot of these scenes at twilight that'd be murder on your filming schedule it would be um, awful that would be awful on your on your on your film schedule but they and they did film i was watching a lot of stuff and i believe they filmed this movie chronologically 
Are you serious? At least wow. it, I think that they did because you have perfect continuity of a lot of these shots. Like people's hair messed up exactly the same way from like shot to shot and like scene to scene. Interesting. And I'm going, I really think they filmed this chronologically. Interesting. So, which, I mean, I guess you can because all of the outdoor scenes happen at the beginning of the movie and then everything else takes place on the soundstage. Mm -hmm. So, so you pretty much can. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they exclusively filmed those exterior scenes at twilight, I could get that and be like, huh, why is it always twilight when they're outside? Or like have it go from twilight to nighttime, but that would be just like next Mm -hmm. to impossible. Mm -hmm. But, so I agree. I, I like it. I like it in theory, but not in execution. Uh, 100% agreed. Theory, cool. Execution, poor. Closing, right. Execution, poor. Um, closing thoughts about this movie. It's aight. If, uh... It's aight. It's, I, there were definitely moments where I, like, was like, this is so, this, like, some of the moments were really cool. Like, (laughs) uh, again, Joey was really awesome. I really like Mississippi. They were my two favorite characters. I just think that I'm not dumping on John Wayne. He, I really like some of his monologues. I liked especially, again, the scene where Mississippi is first introduced. I really loved the interaction between everyone in that scene. That scene was probably my favorite scene mm-hmm. of the whole film. And oh, it's so I wish good. I wish there had been more of that Fraught because I feel tension. like after that scene, everything just kind of got boring to me because that, I was like, ooh, everything some melted things are together. Yeah, everything melts in together. I wish we'd gotten a little more about like Mississippi. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the storytelling got less linear after that. And it, yeah, it, it that's what it, like the story. The plot just kept thickening and thickening and thickening, and no Your one added water things. to unthicken the soup of this film. <laughs> and um, so there were definitely cool moments throughout it. Um, Joey being the hero, dope, loved that. Mississippi mm-hmm. being awesome, yes. loved that. And again, John Wayne, pretty cool in this film. I think I just got real tired of hearing him talk the same way because I work in, where I work. I'm not gonna say where I work. I work with a lot of elderly people, so they all talk real slow like and I'm like, oh They man, do all in tired. fact talk like that, yes. It, gets, it makes me tired eventually and it's like it's not a bad film. Um, as far as westerns go or even cheesy romances, this is actually not bad. Um will I watch it again? Probably not. Um Probably not. But you'll, you'll pass it on the hotel TV, go, hey, that's El Dorado, and keep scrolling. <laughs> it it would be, if I were ever going to watch this movie again, it'd be to reference things or talk about referencing things, um, like lighting. But um, sure, it was fine. It was, again, yeah, five Interesting out of to see Average. how far film has come since the 60s. Yeah, definitely, definitely a movie, especially if you want to wa- watch it in an educational sense. It def- if it's something you want to watch in an educational sense, I would give it a higher score, mm-hmm. like seven or eight. If you want to learn and see where film has come, especially if you want to, especially if you want to consider like El Dorado to a more modern Western, like Django Unchained, or even, um, yeah. there's several, like there's several Western things that have come out recently. I think there's something on Netflix, Bugsy something. Um, I think Chris, oh, interesting. Chris Pratt like and a whole bunch of other people did like a Western a few years ago. Um, so if mm-hmm. you want to like see where film has come and, where some of these tropes in even film come. Some a lot of film tropes do come from westerns, um, and a lot of people mm-hmm. actually. I was they talking do. with someone at work. One of their favorite film genres is spaghetti westerns, and I'm like, how? But again, to each their own. I love animation. Yeah. Some people like spaghetti westerns. Um, so again, from an educational standpoint, yeah, this would be worth watching for sure. For sure. If you're yeah. looking for entertainment, and you 
don't like westerns, <laughs> maybe skip this Perhaps one. Perhaps not this. Maybe skip this This was one. the start of my obsession with horses as a child, though. I had so many toy horses after watching westerns with my dad. So I definitely have these movies to thank. Or my parents' wallets really have these movies to thank for that. <laughs> So, so yeah, uh, closing thoughts for me, I just, I wanted to do this definitely because my dad loves this movie, loved this movie growing up, and it definitely meant a lot to us as father-daughter time watching this movie, um, in, in the downstairs of our house while I played with my ponies in front of the TV, able to watch this movie and not get scared. Um, (laughs) so... So yeah, uh, so I guess that concludes uh, our Father's Day special. Um, thank you for letting me pick a movie for my dad. Of course. Um, we talked about, we gave some props to the writing. It's a, it's a chunky movie as far as writing goes um, and, and some academic points to seeing where film has evolved from. Um, I do need to say that Cinematic Pulse will be taking a brief break as uh, a little bit unplanned. It was not where we originally thought we were going to go. Wesley and I are moving to Utah. Um, we were going to get different orders and that's where we're going instead. So, uh, we will unfortunately be off the air for just a few weeks as we make that transition to that state. Um, however, if Cherie's schedule permits, she may be nice to you and bless you with a blooper reel. Um, (laughs) so bother her if that's something that you want. Um, and we will hopefully be back to our regularly scheduled programming with a new episode on July 14th, which I know feels like a million years away, but we'll go like the blink of an eye for me while I do chaotic moving maneuvers. Hey, go watch some of these movies that we recommend. Go see Across the Spider-Verse. Go watch. Yeah, you know what? Go see Across the Spider-Verse. Go watch the first Spider-Verse movie. Um, if you're not caught up on some of the movies that we've done or some of the episodes that we've done, take this time to go catch up on some episodes or message us and tell us what movies we need to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can provide you with lots of content when we come back. I will say so- several of my friends have made recommendations. Ooh, yay. I love recommendations. We love Definitely to hear message them. all of those to me. I'll have content for days. I'll never run out of episodes to make for you guys. Trust we me. literally will never, if movies are made and never. shows are made, we'll be here. We will have content. I will be 80 and doing this podcast, I guess. I also want to say, just so people can have other things to look forward to, that hopefully once you move, we'll start making content for YouTube. That is the plan. I do have a plan to have a setup, uh, in like an office setup, and we will be doing some video content for you guys. You'll get to see our beautiful faces. Uh, okay. Uh, ready to wrap? Ready to wrap. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse. Roll credits. Roll credits.